RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. If you've been listening to Reality Check Radio, and it would have been the only place you heard about it, you might have heard of the international health regulations. I had James Reguski on this program oh, about a month ago, breaking the whole thing down, pulling it apart and letting us know what it was, what it meant, what to look out for, and why we should not want this. Well, now women in Wanaka, well, they're worried about this, and they've put together a letter and they've sent it out to politicians. And you might have heard Peter Williams talking about that. Sarah Lundham and Kristen Bowman join us to talk about that from Wanaka, part of the group. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Okay, so I mentioned we had James Rogowski on, and i got to say it was an eye-opener for me. I'd heard about this thing, but I didn't know what it meant, the scope of it, how we lose basically sovereignty and control, and it, it could render us prisoners in our own land. Is it fair to say that, do you think? If you're reading the documents literally and and thinking of uh, a, poor, a more nefarious outcome, yes, you could yeah. do so. Yeah. And um, therefore... Um, Others may claim they're just um, not intended that way or they're more benign, but we, we, we should be watchful um, of, of what is stated within the, the amendments and um, uh, be cautious, especially in the context of, of what we've gone through in the last three years. How did your group come? Sorry, sorry Sarah. Sorry, I was just going to say significantly, Paul, the um, regulations as they are currently drafted elevate responsibility to the Director General of the World Health Organization and he dictates what New Zealand will do, not the New Zealand government. Yeah. And while the devil is in the detail and some of the detail is horrific, um, we do need to raise the consciousness and conversation around this in the public, which is why we decided to stand up and have and initiate this discussion. The letter, how far and wide did that go and what sort of impact has it had, do you think? Well, um, yeah, we this group of women in Wanaka, um, there's 10 or 12 of us that have signed the letter. We have uh, sent it to ministers and we've sent it to mainstream media and, of course, to yourselves. And the response has been like a dead cat bounce, really. Uh, hmm. um, we've had, Kristen, three responses from ministers' offices. Yes, other than uh, sort of auto-replies, which, um, you know, are, are understandable. You know, they hit the inbox and and they come back. But anything of meaning uh, has, has to date only resulted in three responses, yes. And two of those have uh, suggested they pass it on to the respective health spokespeople. And uh, one was too busy to meet with us, which was our request. I mean, batting it down to the health spokesperson is way bigger than that, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. giving it to the, I don't know, it's far bigger than that, it, and it's kind of laughable, actually. This is a process, Paul, that's been going on for three years, and some would argue that trying to get a treaty negotiated and signed in three years is in decent haste, but at no time in that, in that time period am I aware and others of um, uh, an open discussion and dialogue or consultation about what the instruments and processes, if we sign up to the regulations, will be. And it it's fundamentally changes New Zealand's decision-making powers and abilities. And 
we should be all aware of it and we should all be across it and we should all engage in conversation around our freedoms and our, and, and our medical sovereignty. And even if it's still a, another year away, Paul, it takes time to to inform a public and, and that, mm-hmm. that is the, the key issue, certainly from my perspective, is that we need to inform a public, we need to make sure there's proper and meaningful consultation around the potential impacts of that so that the proper democratic process can can, um, take place. And if it's too fast or um, not fulsome enough, then um, that that, that process has not been duly, you know, duly met or that obligation to conduct a a proper and meaningful engagement with the citizenry of, of New Zealand to ensure they know what indeed is going on. And it will take a good year at, at, at a minimum to ensure um, that happens. And I'm just not confident right now that it's even uh, the New Zealand public are aware and secondary that, that, that we're going to have that sort of proper debate to ensure that um, everyone is aware of what they're signing up to here. Did you get the impression from the very limited responses that Anyone knew what you're talking about, really? Good question. I, I don't. I, I, I couldn't speak didn't. for them. Mm. So, I so no one recited back some, you know, uh, an overview of it, and here's what we're looking at, and and here's what, yeah, we, we've got the same concerns, or no, there's nothing to worry about, nothing like that. No, nothing like that. No. I just wonder, you know, if there's so much going on everywhere else, um, mm. they're oblivious, or or especially with national and, and, and the non-government parties, are they even aware of what the current government is potentially signing us up for? Well, they can't be listening or looking far and wide because all that is out there. And where is the mainstream media on raising consciousness and awareness and discussion in this, Paul? Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> yes. It was interesting listening to what you were saying just before, Kristen, because... I think what I encounter, and maybe similar for you and others listening, is that, uh, and I mentioned you raised this and, and sort of eyes glaze over because there's no knowledge of it, but people who are do engage kind of push back very strongly, like, ah, oh, come on, conspiracy, nutty stuff. Um, you know, no one would ever do that and all that sort of stuff. There's an unwillingness, a, wilf- a willfulness in pushing back. Mm-hmm. That has to be overcome. Indeed. I totally agree, but um, I think you just have to keep bringing the facts to the table and um, ask those people to perhaps put labels to one side um, and instead go to the source documentation and, and read for themselves. There is a markup of the amendments which strike through certain deletions to certain um, articles or certain wording in certain articles, and then there is additions to the articles. And just reading them on their face should make it fairly obvious to to people that this is quite significant. I I do understand that a populace um, who seeks to put a hand up and query things or question things or or simply, you know, be sceptical about the proposals um, are perhaps fearful of being smeared or labelled. But there comes a point that I suppose as citizens, 
um, we need to encourage everyone to go look, go see, you know, go view for yourself. Do your own research. Do your own (laughs) research and and look yourself and, and you'll see fairly clearly on the face, there are significant changes here. Um, and uh, we list those, you know, from advisory, from the WHO being advisory, to, you know, the edX being mandatory. You know, that's a huge shift. Um, so whilst in, in, in during the COVID, the WHO might have suggested and recommended changes uh, or, or adoption of certain um, conduct during the COVID crisis, such as lockdowns, um, they weren't mandatory. Our government had the option to say, no, no, notwithstanding your advice or recommendations, we choose not to do that. In fact, we're going to go back to our, our um, uh, pandemic policy or, or protocols that we had and not do that. Whereas in this case, it shifts the whole um, decision-making process up up the chain to what is an unelected and unaccountable hmm. body of the UN. And so I encourage New Zealanders um, to empower themselves and, and try and put any sort of labels to one side. And, and please, please go read yourself. It's, it's pretty easy to do. Um, don't let your eyes go over too much. Um, fortify yourself with a good cup of coffee or something else. And, and do read it because um, you'll empower yourself in doing so. Because at the end of the day, Kristen, that is essentially what we have done as a group of people um, because I think when we first heard about it, we couldn't believe that we would be signing up to it. And I, might, I know myself, I was quite sceptical about this discussion we were having as a group. And then I went away and did some research and got a few documents and thought, oh, my goodness, this is actually real. I think, too, a lot of people I engage with, and I know similarly for you, they um, can't get their head around the enormity of sort of our abdication of responsibility as a government and as a a country to the WHO. They just don't think it would even be possible. And that, I have to say, was my initial response as well. On reading the documents, and in our letter pool there is a number of um, references, it is blatantly obvious what um, what will happen if we sign up to this document, these documents, these regulations and treaties. Is it? Um, it's probably good to go through some of the the real standouts. Maybe. Um, do you want to just? So sure. we could dr- drive the points right here. So feel free. You, you go. Yes. Uh, okay. No, I, I mean, as Sarah, going to the first one was the issue of moving from advisory to mandatory. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul, we should reiterate, we're not saying this will definitely happen and, you know, this is going to come. It's the question, it may happen, but you are giving um, a license to enable that to may happen. Um, the other one that is a standout to me is the change of language by sort of removing, um, if I could actually get it in Article 3, is the removal of the words that the implementation of these regulations shall be, and these are the removal of the following words, with full respect for the dignity, human rights, 
and fundamental freedoms of persons. And instead, it's replaced with the following wording, based on the principles of equity, inclusivity, coherence, and in accordance with the common but differentiated responsibilities of the state parties, taking into consideration their social and economic development. That's a word salad. I I would agree (laughs) with you. I I would agree with you because the words called dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms are clear to me. I know what they mean. The other words, I'm not sure what they mean, actually. Um, And I think we should be very concerned because there was a significant um, impact on fundamental human rights and freedoms in the last three years, of which we should be concerned. And therefore, I'm not sure handing more authority to um, an entity beyond our shores is necessarily something we should embrace at this point. Have they earned our, our due respect and trust around these words? Well, why, would, you, why no. would you do it anyway, even if they were trustworthy? Because you're giving up elements of, of yeah, yeah, valuable and, sovereignty, right? I totally agree, because at the end of the day, our, our whole ability to make um, uh, a government accountable is you can vote people in and out. You have the right to vote and you vote people based on performance and you make them accountable in that manner. If you can't do that here, then um, I believe that's, um, you know, shouldn't be entertained at all. And um, just to go forward, the um, another change is to make, to give the Director-General um, authority to dictate mandatory medical treatments. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Is that holding someone down and giving them an injection whether they like it or not? It could be. Well, some of the commentary we've seen, Paul, suggests that's possible, and it also suggests a whole lot of other things I wouldn't even want to contemplate. Mm. You know, just to take that a step further, it actually introduces, proposes to introduce, I should say, um, because it's not signed up yet, um, global health certificates and traveller health declarations. And these, of course, can be either paper or digital, but as we all know, they're moving to digital, which means essentially you, unless you can prove that you're free of disease and or been vaccinated by whatever uh, vaccine the Director General of Health of the World Health Organization determines, you can do nothing, you can go nowhere. That's and, a and digital that prison. But that that's is actually a, what they say. That's a prison. That's a digital prison right there. Correct. Correct. But to take that even one step further, the World Health Organization, as it's currently proposed, is seeking powers to arbitrate misinformation and disinformation. Here we go. Now, now that clearly elevates it to the heights of the UN Security Council. You can see the the way the parts fit together, right? Mm. Hey, I mean, you've got the, uh, the digital health pass. You've got to take everything mm-hmm. that they tell you to. That they are also dictating your your basically on the ground health policy and health. That's us. That's people. It's not mm-hmm. you know what cars you can import or anything like that. It's 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 health. And then there's the the lack of awareness. I mean, you can see how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. And and to that point, um, and we stress again these these are proposed amendments. 
um, to the regulations. They're not in force yet, but that's why we have the debate. But I'd also point out in Article 2, um, there is a change from taking out public health risk to all risks with a potential to impact public health. So um, if one's that reading that, that could be anything. Um, we all know that pretty much anything can impact public health. Um, so it's a very much a broadening of um, the scope of purpose, if I could put it that. And, and the article two is headed up, scope and purpose. So, um, you know, I, I, th I think that is a real concern too, is how broad this, uh, the, these regulations could be applied and reiterate their proposed amendments. But we, we should, you know, likewise sort of extrapolate how things could pan out. We saw how we had an existing pandemic plan and it changed almost on a dime. And so one should be duly wary and sceptical and question and prod and poke and push and debate and, mm -hmm. and, and turn them inside out and look backwards and forwards. That's what you have to do if you're truly going to inform yourself and be aware of what you might be signing up to. Um, and that is what we encourage every Kiwi to sort of get their head around and, and our government to ensure that a proper process is facilitated to ensure that. I had uh, David Seymour on this program. I asked him about sovereignty. I didn't ask him about this specifically because I didn't want to get down in the weeds in that conversation. But he yeah, basically said there's no way, I'm pretty sure, no way that they would ever contemplate any loss of sovereignty in New Zealand. That was not something that they would do. He's pretty well said that in a roundabout way. I'm paraphrasing. Um, I've spoken to the freedom parties. They all are aware of this. And um, if you look on their websites, they have specific, you know, statements or, or, or policies, not very well formed yet, but definitely statements against this, specifically calling it out. So that part of New Zealand is aware. It's just uh, just a question of, of how widespread you can get this information if the mainstream media don't play ball. Yeah. That's, that's really where it has to, the rubber I, has to hit the road, doesn't it? I'm intrigued you say that, Paul, about David Seymour and Matt King and others because they've all received our letter. And, oh, okay. Um, at this stage, this that's assuming I, we sent that to the, the right email addresses. <laughs> well, that yeah. of course is right, Christine. Of course, we were moving. We were moving fairly fast because we were concerned there was, um, yeah. you know, a very truncated timetable. Um, but nonetheless, the substantive issues remain, and I, I'm, I'm glad if we have, you know, indeed got more time. Um, but I do think while that's comforting to know, I'd still, you know, want to see um, a fulsome process, um, at least at the parliamentary level, which will be taken, uh, you know, of course, with the treaty, but to make sure that the regulations are indeed part of well, that. Because there are just amendments added to the regulations. So my yes. understanding is that's correct. Yeah. That can yes. happen in a very quiet sort of off the it radar way. It could do. Um, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that both are elevated, but, but also not confused because um, I think we need to understand that two instruments are distinct and that they both need um, proper debate, you know, 
you need to pull them apart and look at them every which way and fully comprehend what we're signing up to. So I, I really think um, the fact there's these two things running concurrently can unfortunately sort of muddy the waters. And um, I trust that they can both be discussed fulsomely. Is it a good time right now to just absolutely define the two again? So in people's minds, they know exactly what you're talking about? Yes. um, The International Health Regulations, 2005, we're already bound to those regulations. Um, They're binding on New Zealand uh, as a result of our membership of the World Health Organization itself. I understand the treaty is... um, a new treaty to uh, address pandemic prevention, preparedness and uh, response. It was probably um, introduced in, of course, uh, in response to the last three years. And treaties, of course, go through a particular process at a parliamentary level. You know, you don't just pass them willy-nilly. They've got to go through a robust process. But because the regulations are under existing uh, obligations, um, they can be passed, um, you know, in a relatively straightforward way. And more importantly, the World Health Organization itself and its member states can pass those regulations and, and, and be adopted by the organization itself and therefore us as a as signatory party by a simple majority. Um, there is an ability to opt out of those um, amendments in due course. I think that time period was truncated from approximately 18 months to six months, or don't quote me on that particularly, but the the time period uh, was shortened for opting out. Um, But I I think you need to address things before you adopt them rather than do it uh, after the event, because it's so much harder to do that, you know, human nature being Mm -hmm. what it is. So uh, they are two distinct things. Please keep them separate. And um, there is actually a a really good uh, video by an MP in the UK, Mr. Danny Kruger, and he explains the two instruments quite well, I think, and and the import of what can potentially, you know, uh, occur here and is encouraging the UK to actually reject the adoption of of Mm. these uh, regulations. In addition, I know that I think tomorrow, it's actually tomorrow US time, there is a congressional press conference uh, to be held um, in Washington, D.C. by certain congressional members, um, I think at the behest of the, um, I think it's the Sovereignty Coalition, who are equally raising real concerns and likewise saying, in their view, not only don't adopt them, but actually you know, cease to be a member of the World Health Organization. We could always do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We? So we can certainly send, um, firstly, the uh, the video from uh, Danny Kruger, because I think he summarizes it really, really well and captures both the import of and, and explains the two, you know, different different working parts here, as well as the potential implications. And he certainly isn't uh, understating what could potentially occur here. Um, and I think, and too, Christian, the relevance of that is that he actually raises it in the House of Commons and talks it through there. So they're actually actively having a debate in Parliament about it, mm-hmm. which would be a great thing to have here. Exactly. And that, that came up because 
there was a petition of 100,000 citizens in the mm. UK. And so, so in other words, there's a consciousness that at least at that level uh, in the United Kingdom uh, about this issue, and there certainly is in the US increasingly. So it would be good to see the same happen here. Okay. Anyone want to say anything more? Other than to say that... Um, <laughs> get off your butt and start yes, opposing it. That's what get out there and listen, learn for yourself. Read what's out there and realise the gravity of what may be signed up to. And, and as I say, we're just, simp- we're just a group of citizens sitting here in Wanaka um, and we decided to stop entirely talking about stuff and actually do something. And we're not saying we're going to get everything right or we're completely informed. We've all got day jobs too. But you can, as a citizen, put your hand up and say, hey, I want to know more. And, um, you know, we want a proper debate on this. The power of the people. Oh, people power. People power, <laughs> yes. Paul. Novel concept in a democracy, I think. Yeah, maybe another <laughs> protest on the way there. <laughs> no. You think? Oh, just like a, a really good, honest, old-fashioned debate, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. thanks for coming on and explaining that and great effort. And and let's hope it does something. I, I'm hoping you'll get more replies, meaningful replies, mm-hmm. maybe after this. Ooh, yes, and, like and, and, and as I say, I do trust we got them to the right email boxes, but if we haven't, we're here to here to chat and, and we will send that, those couple of links through to you, Paul. Yeah, please do. And I think we can post those with the replay. And okay, so, great. So, so people have those. Okay, so that's uh, Kristen Bowman and Sarah Lundham. Thank you for coming on and uh, thank you for your effort too. Get motivated, doing something is great. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. So I've been talking with Kristen Bowman and Sarah Lundham, the two citizens who have sent a letter, Wanaka-based, to the government about the international health regulations. The letter was sent on the 11th of May. And just to read the first part of it for you, dear so-and-so, urgent. New Zealand's sovereignty and independence under threat. Our citizens are unaware. International Health Regulations 2005 to be adopted at the 77th World Health Assembly, 22nd to 28th May, 2023. And then they detail everything in the letter. If you received this and read it, you would not be unaware of what is happening. The question is, are they going to read it and get the message and urgency that goes with it? We will see. And if you want to inform yourself to quite a high level of detail, go into our replays, the replay tab on our website. That's realitycheck.radio, of course. Uh, Dial up the breakfast show as an option, and you can search for James Roguski. I interviewed him about a month ago, and he lays it all out. All right. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.